feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between Yo, it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life
you know, from having a parent, you know, a foster a parent, someone to adopt them. And, and I think what greater love, um, it's one thing to be able to, you know, have a child, carry a child for nine months and, and extend that love. However, in this day and time, some people don't do that with the, with the children that they birth. And so this world is so crazy, but um, I think it's just no greater love that, that one, I would say one of the biggest loves, I should say that, uh, to be able to extend your life, your love, your home to to a child in need uh, and do that with a loving heart because that's the flip side to it. There's so many, many um, negatives as well as downfalls of people who, you know, I guess take it on and, and not do it from their heart. And that, that creates a whole issue for the child or children. I read a couple of um, articles uh, as I was just kind of playing around on the Internet, and one of them struck out, struck, struck me, struck my interest because it was, it was a female, and she was the oldest, oldest of her siblings, and she said that no matter how the foster parents tried to make them feel at home, they still felt like a stranger because they didn't know anything really about them. They didn't know their lifestyle, what they liked to do, what their schedule was in the home, uh, what time they got up, uh, what time they went to bed, you know, what they liked and what they disliked. And, of course, my my brain went to working on that uh, just because something that simple going to into somebody's house and it's supposed to be your home now, if even for a little while, you know nothing really about that person, even though, you know, they probably give in. And I guess we'll help us with that, like what type of information, I guess, is given to the, the children. But it lit some, it woke some things up in me, I'll, I'll say that. It, it just kind of woke some things up in me, just reading her story on Facebook and then it got my mind to thinking about foster care again and, and that kind of thing and how many children in school that, are in foster care that goes through every day. Um, so we'll get into all that. Uh, I'm going to just the chat line is open. For those of you who are listening by way of chat, uh, you can submit your questions, comments there. Now, a lot, many people are listening through Facebook. And so I want to remind you guys that we don't see those numbers from Facebook until after the show. We cannot see your comments unless you just kind of tag Rodney and or I in the comment or question that you have or post it on the event page on in face, on Facebook, post it there. Um, what we'd like for you to do is just sign on. If You you know, you can sign on as, as a follower. You don't have to use your Facebook name. You can create a username, and that way it's a lot easier for you, for us uh, as well. But we'll take it. We'll take you as a listener any way you come. But I just wanted to remind you guys of that we don't see those numbers until until after the show. Um, and I, I, I noticed that those numbers are increasing a bit as far as the listeners who just kind of plug into the link right from the from the Facebook uh, shares that we do there. So that's a great thing. Um, want to remind you to move those trash cans. I won't get into too many of the details of that. You you know the story. We might tell you at the end this time because I want to get right into the show. Don't want to hold up our our special guest here tonight. So let's pull her in, Miss Tamika. Tamika, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Rodney. Hi, Rodney. Hi, Tamika. Hi, Tamika. Hi, Tamika. Hi, Tamika. Hi, Tamika. Hi, T
I am. Can you hear me? We can hear you. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are good. Are you excited about tonight's show? I I am. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and inviting me on the show. I'm excited to share whatever I can. Tammy, I can hear in her voice that she is that she is very excited to to get this show underway. Welcome yeah, to yeah. Uh, welcome to the Butterfly Evolution Show, Tamika. Uh, hi, this is Rodney. Hi, Rodney. Yeah, and we thank you because I mean, when I read that you're posting on Facebook, I mean, I got chills. I just again, it woke so much inside of me, and and just kind of you know playing on the site on the internet, looking up and reading stories. Um, I mean. I, I, I'm really, really passionate about this topic. This is the first ever, and we've been on since 2011. This is June 2011 was was the first uh, topic for I think it was June 6th as well for for Butterfly Evolution. So this is the first ever for for foster care, um, any dealings with foster care. So I'm excited. We want you to give out just as much information as as you possibly can and are willing to do so. Let's just start out with that. If you will tell our listeners who you are, all that you would like to know, um, want them to know about you, and then if you will consistently throughout the show continue to give out your website, um, how people can contact you because we have people kind of in and out, and then we'll do that at the end as well. But uh, for those of you who are just popping in, we are discussing tonight foster care. Um, the life is after foster care, and we have our guest Tamika on, and she is going to just enlighten you with her experience, what she's doing now, um, and it's Tamika Anderson. So go ahead, Tamika, just tell our audience, just get us started for tonight. Well, I don't like to, you know, say too much about who I am and what I do. I like for people to read about that. So um, my name is Tamika Anderson. Um, you know, I'm an author, entrepreneur, child advocate. I have a lot of things that I do. So uh, when I give out the information, people can always read about me. But I'm more so here about just really, really getting into this subject because it's so it is something that's very near and dear to me because I spent my life in the foster care system. So I'll definitely tell them how to keep in touch with me. I'm extremely um, you know, engageable on social media so people can find me and talk to me. So we'll go into that later, if you don't mind. Okay. that's what, You want to go into what part? Giving out the information? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just keep in mind, though, we have people that are kind of, they pop in and out, and they may not come back in, so some of them will, will miss that, but they can go back and listen. Okay. Okay. So uh, how do you want to start with it? Do you want us to just get right into the questions? Anything you want to share about foster care or to get us going into it? Well, I mean, you can start start with the questions, and then, like, as more comes along, then I can share some stuff. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Well, then tell us how long were you you spent most of your life in foster care? How, How long were you in foster care? I spent 21 years in the foster care system. I was born addicted to crack cocaine, so they took me from my mom in the hospital. And it was so, it was such a, a tumultuous 
lifestyle. I'll never forget one of the foster homes that I was in. I guess I had frequent that foster home because I was about maybe seven years old, and the woman was like, oh, my God, I had you as a baby. And I was like, okay. And so I spent all of my life in the foster care system. From the first nine years of my life, I, you know, I was with my brother and my sister. We were always placed together because, you know, they felt having the sibling group together helped with whatever their transition or whatever their thought process was back then. So it wasn't until I was nine years old that I was separated from my brother and my sister. And that happened because I got tired of going back and forth with, you know, from foster care to my mom. And I just told them. I I thought it was just going to only be me being in foster care because I never shared with my brother or sister that when we went to court on this particular day that I was going to tell them I did not want to go back home. Because I was always a very strong-willed child, you know, I I had my own mind, so to speak, and that's what got me in trouble a lot. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. But I, um, and I wanted to tell them that I didn't want to go back home because my mom was still going to be on drugs. So I was all prepared, having a little speech ready and everything. They had me say it on a, a, a camcorder. And so... With me saying it on a camcorder, it was like, you know, a little different for me. So I went ahead and said, and my little sister was sitting there, and she said the same thing, too. She was like, well, I don't want to go home either. And I was like, oh, okay. So we thought that we were going to go together again, but we didn't. We were actually separated. And I didn't see my sister or my brother for 21 years after that. Wow. Mm. How, how did how did that impact you growing up, uh, not being able to see your siblings, and and, and did they share their um, uh, their feelings with you when you guys once you guys were separated? Like, how, how did that impact you guys growing up? And then how was that when how, how was it when you guys first reunited? It was it was very. It was what now? I'm sorry. Did we lose her? Tamika, can you uh, hear me? Oh. Hello. Okay. Can you hear me? Something just can happened. you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, it just it went out for some reason. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, I was saying it was very difficult for me. Um, I was going to different foster homes and stuff like that, so I didn't see them, and it was hard for me. Um, I always wanted my family. I was severely depressed. I, at the age of 13 was the first time that I t- attempted to kill myself. It was extremely difficult for me, so not having my brother and my sister. And then when I finally reunited with them, it was even harder. I thought it was going to be so easy, but it wasn't because we had grew apart. We didn't know who each other were. So we literally had to go through a process of getting to know each other. And th- now we're adults, so it was even more hard because everybody had their own way of doing things. They were, you know, already set in their ways, so it was not easy, I'll say that. So, uh, so, so can you tell us – go ahead, Tammy, I'm sorry. Okay, this is Tammy. What's, what's the age difference for your, your, you and your siblings? Like, where did you fall in the in the age difference? What child were you? 
I'm the middle yeah. child. You know, we're always the forgotten child. <laughs> so okay. my brother okay. is two years older than me, and my sister is one year younger than me. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Do they allow you all to keep in touch? I know you said you did not see them for a very long time. Are you able to talk on the phone or anything during that time? Okay, so what happened was uh, my brother, our brother stayed with our mom, and me and my sister, we went back into foster care. She had a foster mom, and her foster mom wasn't too far away from me. So at first, we would visit each other, and then, like, our foster moms would talk. And so my foster mom would tell her, like, all the bad stuff that I would do. And so her foster mom didn't want her to be around me anymore. So she stopped letting her see me or anything, like, when I was 9 years old, uh, 10 years old, maybe about 10 years old. And then that was it. Mm. Oh, wow. Can you tell us more about the the process um, when you guys finally like uh, got back together again after after so many years, um, and then you were adults? Like, what types of things did you guys do to try to restore that relationship or, or, or rebuild that relationship? Like, did it just start with? Uh, phone calls, like three ways? Did it start with you guys, like, trying to, you know, go out to dinner, go to movies? Did you, like, take vacations, go to each other's houses? Like, can you tell us more about the process uh, that it, it, it took to to, to, to reestablish yourselves um, as siblings? Okay, so like I said, it was extremely difficult. At first, we all met up, and we were extremely happy, and, you know, we – Kind of, I think we stayed up the whole entire night just talking and laughing with each other. And, you know, we didn't live in the same state or anything like that. So it was like, you know, we were all going to think about moving in together. And then reality set in. Like our personalities begin to clash profusely. And especially because, you know, our mom was in contact with us too. And so it was just a lot. It was it was a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of confusion. So a couple of you know, for the first, I would say for the first five years, it was extremely difficult for us to even have you know uh, healthy conversations with each other. Um, but I, I'm really thankful because I have to say that. We, we're continuing to fight through it. Like, we are, we, we tell each other all the time, we, you know, we've been through a lot. There's no way in the world. We've lost a lot of time with each other. So there's no way in the world that we need to continue on with this. So we fight through it. And it, it's not easy, but we do it, and I'm really thankful for that. Okay. Now, now you said that you're – you said that your mom is in contact or was in contact with you guys. Is your mom still in contact with you guys? Yes. Yeah, so my my brother, my sister, and my mom, they all live in California, and I live in Atlanta. So they are all in close communication, you know, with each other because they don't live far away from each other. But I don't really have a close relationship with my mom. And it's because, you know, like I said, I've always been extremely strong-willed. 
so me being strong-willed, I want to confront certain things that my mom is just not ready to deal with right now. So it makes it very hard for us to have a relationship. Okay. okay. And, and when you say not ready to deal with it, is that the, the, the whole drug issue? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, 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 that's, that, that's, I think that's, um, I think that's a lot of, uh, a lot of parents where if a lot of parents in, in, in that type of situation, um, and even if it's not drugs, no matter what it is, um, uh, parents, um, a lot of times don't want to. Uh, face reality and and have difficult conversations, um, especially in cases of of abuse or or neglect. Um, you know, it, uh, and I can even talk about you know things things that I've seen myself. Um, certain things, um, parents are just I don't know they they try to avoid certain conversations, or even in in, in some in some cases the the memories that we have for for whatever reason uh our parents a lot of times don't really have those those same recollections like i remember uh this summer i was i was speaking at a at a church and my mom came and she was listening to uh the mc read my bio and um and she said you did not you did not fail the 7th 8th and ninth grade and i was like that's my dad, because he had to be the one to to pay for me to go to summer school so that I wouldn't have to repeat the grade. So I think a lot of times, like, you know, but my mom and I had a very challenging relationship uh, when I was growing up. And so I think, like, for my mom, like, one of the easiest things for her is to, uh, you know, I, I guess if she doesn't recall a lot of things, it might be easy. And And there are things that I would love to address. But I think, you know, I've kind of taken a different approach. Like, you know what, this may never come back around and, you know, just leave it at that, you know. But I, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Tammy. I have a question. What um, What is it like when you age out of the system? Like, what what does that look like? What are the, the kind of the stipulations around that? And what do you think the greatest challenge is? for you and maybe some of the others who are going through it now are the aging out of the system. Well, okay, so when I was aging out, um, they had this program called Independent Living where you can they'll, like, set you up in your apartment and, you know, as long as you're going to school, they'll, like, pay your bills for you and, you know, just help you out with stuff. Well, the challenge for me with that was once you age out, it's like, okay, bye, you're on your own. <laughs> so no one taught me how to pay the bills myself. And a lot of years after I aged out, I was getting evicted from apartments. I was losing cars. I was doing all this other foolish stuff because I didn't realize when you go to work, you get paid, you have bills, and you have to pay them. <laughs> you know? so, so it's just something as simple as 
teaching me how to navigate through life was extremely challenging for me. I don't think I under really understood how to navigate through life until I was about 30, and that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. Uh, there, there are people who, who who are 40 and 50 years old and still haven't figured it out, so don't feel bad. <laughs> it was hard. Uh, it was hard. Uh, how, how did uh, clearly you, uh, the, the schools that you went to, they, they had to be aware of your situation. How did your schools uh, deal deal with you and, uh, you know, how did they support you or or, or not support you. Uh, what what was that like when it came to, to to your schools? What what did they do? I honestly, school was hard for me. I'll say that if I and it was even more so hard because I was extremely smart and I was cute. You know, so like the girls who were jealous of me, they were extremely jealous of me. And then they would say hurtful things because they knew that I was in the foster care. So they were just like, oh, she's a foster child. I grew to despise the word foster. Like, I really, really did. And that was another thing that I did when I aged out of the system. I kind of hid to a lot of people that I met. I didn't tell them that I was in the foster care because people have a way, and, and I believe it's just because of their own ignorance, they don't know any better. But they have a way of putting a stigma on someone who's not, the traditional, you know, uh, setting. So they'll say, oh, she's troubled because she was in the foster care system. So then you, you're, you're uh, going through life, trying to navigate life, and now you have this stigma on you, and people are saying something's wrong with you, you know. So now you have to not only deal with that, but you have to deal with, oh, people think something's wrong with me. So I found myself fighting a lot, uh, fighting a lot of people, fighting a lot of things, because of the the stigma that people were placing on me in their own ignorance. And that's something that I feel like, you know, schools need to be properly educated about that and be a little more sensitive to youth in the foster care system. They've gotten a little better with it, but they can be a lot better. (laughs) That's what I'll say. What about when you became a parent? I know you said with, you know, sharing it with, with people that you meet, when you became a parent, how how did you decide and when, you know, at what age did you decide, okay, it's, it's okay to tell, sit down and explain my life to my children? That is a funny story because my children are spoiled. <laughs> so I had a conversation with them and, like, you guys do not know what it's like. You know, and I had to really sit down and let them know about my life and what I went through because they didn't know what it was to, you know, have be hungry or anything like the things that I've gone through. And I had to really explain to them how I grew up. And I told them that when I was seven years old, I made I made a promise to myself. And one of those promises was that if I ever became a parent, I would be the greatest parent in the world. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I never seen a great parent. However, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so um, at first, when I first, you know, because I had my first child when I was 18. I had just graduated high school. As a matter of fact, I got pregnant with her my senior year of high school, and I was so angry with myself because here it is, I already have this stigma, and then people are just saying, oh, yeah, see what I tell you. Look at her. She's already pregnant. She's already 
falling in line with the statistics. So now that she's getting ready to have a baby, she's not going to graduate. Well, doggone it, I walked across the stage, big belly and all, but I was graduating, okay? So once I graduated and I had the baby and my first child, people started saying, oh, okay, well, she graduated, but she's going to be on public assistance her whole life. I worked three jobs, so I wouldn't have to be on public assistance. And I was always trying to prove myself. I felt like I was always trying to prove myself to the world, and I wasn't happy. I accomplished so much in my life that I was not happy because I was doing it for the wrong reason. And so when I became a parent and I realized that being a parent was the greatest thing and the greatest gift in the world, I really started investing in being a better person so that I can be a better parent. And then I started, you know, really showing my kids how to do things, how, you know, how I didn't grow up knowing certain things. And, you know, I thank God that my kids are awesome. I think I think what you said is is very important, and, and, and that is, uh, you know, that you became a better person because of, um, you know, the, 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 the parenting uh, situation that, 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 that you were in. And I think a lot of times we don't we don't um, we don't allow our, our our lives to make us to make, to make us better people. When we find ourselves in certain situations, um, you know, a lot of times we don't get the most out of it because we don't open our hearts and our minds to it. Um, so, so it's a good thing that that you did and that you were able to recognize that hey, you know, this is this is not only going to uh, benefit my kids and benefit our lives, but it's also going to benefit me as a person um, at the same time. It's almost like, you know, when you uh, when you do an assignment, if a teacher assigns you uh, a project to do, if if you just complete it, you know, just to say, hey, I did it, you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you actually take the time and, you know, and put some effort into it, then you 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 stand a chance of learning a whole lot more than what you set out to 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 learn initially. So I, I think that is uh, I, I think that's a very powerful thing that happened um, in your life. Yeah, what, I what, agree. what advice would you give to um, uh, schools? What 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 do you think? What do you, how, how do you think schools and and teachers and 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 anybody who who interacts with kids, bus drivers, anybody, uh, what advice would you give to them about dealing with um, uh, children who um, are not per se living with their biological parents, or um, or or just creating an environment? Because not just dealing with those kids who are not with their biological parents, but creating an environment so that the kids who you know, have parents at home know how to deal, you know, with foster children. What advice would you give to schools? What do you think needs to happen? Honestly, I think that they need to have more of a conversation with the the students, the children, and just really listen to them because that was my greatest if you if you wanted to know what triggered me, what made me angry, what would make me fight you is you not listening to me because I always felt like I didn't have a voice. So I was extremely angry because people would tell me who I was or tell me what I was going to do or tell me who who I was going to be instead of asking me, you know. So 
that fueled a lot of anger in me, and I, I feel like that's a lot of the reason a lot of children act out and their behavior is not good is because people aren't listening to them. And all you have to do is really, really just put yourself in the position to just be an ear to these children, and you'll be surprised at the 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 heights and the depths and the the reaches that they can reach in life just by listening to them and giving them a voice. So that's what I would say that they would need to do better in. Okay. Uh, Tammy? Um, I do have a question, another one. Um, do you keep in touch with any of your former foster parents? Are they in, any one of them in your life now, today? Okay, so my foster parents, they were kind of old when I was younger anyway. So, like, when I got a little older, I did go to visit a couple of them, but they've since on passed on. But I, I am still in contact with the woman who was uh, the woman who was with me in when I aged out of the field. As a matter of fact, I spoke with her a couple of days ago. So me and her still communicate. So, yeah. Okay, okay. And you mentioned earlier at the age of 13 was when you first tried to commit suicide. How many times after? Um, and I guess what was life, what was your thought process for those maybe at some point some, some kids will listen because I'm sure it's difficult to go through this and I'm sure many of them feel at some time or another where, you know, just to take the, the opposite route is the better route. But kind of take us back to the, those times, what was going on, and how you pulled yourself out. Well, um, I remember I was just tired of not being wanted, not being loved, not feeling like a part of something, a family, you know, just really having what I saw other people have. I was tired of that. I was tired of feeling like, you know, my life was just bad. You know, I felt like all that happened to me was just bad stuff. You know, it was constantly, I was moved from one home to another home to another home. No matter how good I was, I still didn't have some place to belong. So I just felt like, what the heck is the purpose of me even being here if my life is just going to be so bad, so filled with pain? And, it seemed, you know, I was just tired of the pain. I wanted the pain to go away. So I felt like, you know, just maybe if I wasn't around anymore, then the pain would just go away. But I, you know, I don't know who all believes in God, but I do believe in God because I believe that God chose me because he wouldn't allow it to happen. Every time I tried, you know, something happened. And it was just like I never forget, I was so angry. I had a conversation with God this particular day. I said, okay, listen, if you don't make my life better, I promise you I am going to have somebody else kill me because I'm tired of this. And it was like I was about 16 then, maybe 16. And so after that I moved from the the current foster home that I was in and then I went to a group home. And, you know, it was just a whole list of other things. But I, I believe the Bible when it says, you know, train a child in the way it should go. When he's older, he will not depart from it. So every, strategically, when I was placed in certain foster homes, they would take me to church. So I would 
start learning about God. And I would read the Bible, and I knew the, the Bible verses. And so every time I went somewhere, someone always came to me talking about the Bible. And I was so angry about that. So I was just like, God is a dictator. He don't care about nobody. He don't like me, <laughs> you know. And so I'm so glad that, you know, he chose to strategically place people in my life that was going to speak the life into me, to say to Nika, you know, you don't have to be like that. You know, yes, you went through some bad things, but everything happens for a reason. And, you know, your what you went through is going to be a testimony, and you're going to be able to share it with so many people. I didn't see it back then. As a matter of fact, I hate it when people said that to me. However, now when I look over it, I'm just like, oh, my God, yes, I'm so, so grateful for that. So I can't take credit for any of it. I know that it was nobody but God who pulled me out of that and put people in my life that was going to help me to be better. Okay. Okay. Great. Why? I think that's amazing, you know, that, 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 that you're able to um, acknowledge that and, and, and hear the butterfly evolution. So we definitely believe in God. And I just think that, you know, um, a lot of times – we're we're afraid to acknowledge that in certain situations, especially in ones where you're on the borderline of you know uh, of committing suicide, uh, that there is only one being that can bring you out of that, and 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 that is God, um, yeah. because you are just in a in a terrible state. And I remember one show, um, Tammy was uh, sharing uh, her experience. Um, uh, with us, and so, um, you know, we 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 never know what pushes people to that point unless they unless they're willing to to share it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, people do go ahead uh, uh, with it, go ahead, you know, um, and go through with it. But the people who God saves from doing that, they always end up with an awesome testimony, even if they never share with you that they were on the verge of committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that yeah. even if you never tell anyone that, I don't think it takes away from the impact your story has on other people. Like, I like even before Tammy shared, you know, her experience on the radio, um, I thought that she was a very powerful um individual and so I think that you know with that comes a with that comes a price and so um I do have a question though because um and just tying some of the things that you said together um in in schools today and and in and in the lives of a lot of children bullying is one of the things that that comes up, and earlier you mentioned, you know, uh, jealousy and, you know, people being quick to say, hey, she lives in a foster home. And so um, when I was growing up, it was more so you were taught how to deal with bullies. But in today's time, it's what we're going to deal with the bullies. Um, and since I've started teaching, um, I've known of probably close to 10 uh 
cases of suicide, um, you know, where 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 kids have committed um, suicide uh, for different reasons, and and I guess you know no one would actually ever really know the reason, um, but you know, are are there signs that adults can pick up on? You think? Um, if a child is is contemplating taking their life, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm so glad that you um, brought up this question because this is what started me, you know, in my business. I thought about when I was younger. I thought about how much pain I was in. I thought about how you know bullying impacted me. I thought about how I had low self esteem. How I was pretty much forgotten, people just kind of talking to the side, and then when my behavior, when I would act out in my behavior, I was just labeled a bad kid, and, you know, I thought about all of that, and so I designed my first program, and I designed it for kids to teach them how to bring out who they really are, to use their own voice to build confidence, and the reason why I did that is because I knew that if I just had a little bit of confidence, I would not have struggled as much as I did through school because I would have been able to deal with the bullying versus run away from it and then feeling bad. And then then I come home to a bad situation and nobody's listening to me. Nobody ever asked me, how's your day? So that, you know, started my my first program. And as my program, you know, started and, Parents start telling other parents about our program, and I started getting these huge amount of numbers of parents in my program. My last uh, summer camp, I was, um, you know, I had a line of parents coming to me, and they wanted to know what I did to, you know, because their children were just being a lot more happier. They were a lot more cooperative and everything. So then that kind of like organically creates my parenting program. So what I do is I really, really like to talk to the parents from the child's perspective. They they dub me the child whisperer <laughs> because I can relate to children. I, you know, I, I would rather talk to them to see what's going on with them. And I would tell the parents, you know, especially if I see a child and their head is hanging down and they come into my classroom and they're just like, you know, looking sad and stuff, I would ensure that I would talk to that child until they're no longer sad. And so I would talk to the parents and I would tell them, hey, listen, you know, here's what's going on with your um, your child. And these are the things that you need to do to engage them to ensure that how they're feeling, you know, at all times. So that is something that... It it is a great passion of mine is to really, really help parents understand, to look at certain things in, in your children. Look at their behavior. I know it's frustrating sometimes if you see a child just acting out, but don't just look at the behavior. Start asking questions about the root of the behavior. Like with my children, they'll tell you. Every day they come home from school, I ask them, how was your day? What happened? You know, my six-year-old child, she, she even knows now how to stand up to bullies because we talk about it. And, you know, building that confidence is huge, having the parent engagement. That's where it starts. And I can't even stress that enough. Parents, it starts and ends with us. If we don't want this to happen to our children, we have to be actively involved. I understand this. We're tired. 
all that good stuff. However, our children did not ask to be here, so therefore that should be our first priority. And that's usually what I tell parents. Okay. This is Amy. I know that there's been a share of the exciting news, kind of what brought this show about, because you shared some exciting news. Um, so will you tell us, tell the audience or listeners your exciting news? <laughs> yes, so last week, after a year-long process, I am fi- finally an approved foster parent, so I'm super excited about that. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Congratulations. Process, you mentioned the process, and that was kind of difficult, especially considering what you're already doing and coming through the system and what you're doing um, as a way of uh, giving back. Currently, you still had some delays and issues in becoming a foster parent. So share, will you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, it was extremely difficult. It was frustrating. Um, they take you through a lot. And I, after going through the process, I mean, I kind of get it. However, I think they're going about it the wrong way simply because of things that have happened in foster homes. But I believe that that has a lot to do with people who work for the the system that are not really being honest in the whole process and just, you know, getting some people through because they need foster parents. So the process is, is extremely difficult. You have to go to classes. You have to get certified and stuff. You have to um, go through physicals. You have to get every kind of test known to men. <laughs> um, you know, then they come out to your home. They question the people who know you. And they just really, really take you under a microscope, just everything. And the the crazy part about it is I've actually been working in the, the system for the past six years because I've been a court-appointed special advocate for the youth in the foster care. So I was like, oh, my God, if I had to go through this, I can imagine <laughs> what other people who they don't know had to go through. So it, it is not easy. It's really not easy. But I'm glad that I didn't give up and I, I kept through, and, you know, now I'm a foster parent. Excellent, excellent. When, when, are, when are you expecting your first child? Next Monday. <laughs> oh, congratulations, congratulations. Now, uh, uh, just because I, I, I know a few people personally um, who recently, you know, uh, became foster foster parents as well, um, so are you going to uh, be – taking in, uh, like, a newborn or a teenager. Uh, tell us about uh, the, the the child that you're, that you're having Monday. Okay, so here's my thing. Another different thing for me, too, I wanted to take in what I consider the unwanted. I was a teenager. I, sta- I, I went to a foster home, the one foster home, the last foster home that I was really in as a child, and I stayed there until I became a teen. And then she says, hey, come get her. She's a teenager. I can't deal with her. I don't want her. And so I had to go to group homes. So that's really who I want to take in as teenagers. Those are the people that nobody else wants. So the child that's coming into my home is a teenager, and I've actually been knowing her for six years. She's been on my case. I've been her um, court advocate 
for six years. So I know the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and we had conversations, and, you know, she cried about, you know, me even wanting to take her in. And she, she begged me to not leave her, and I know what that feels like. So um, once I went through the whole process and everything, she was super excited. We just had a conference call. And Friday we're having um, our family therapy with my children and her. So it's just like the process has been grueling. However, the end result to see, you know, the smile on her face and to see how much she's so happy and just glad that someone wants her, that's priceless. So teenagers it is for me. (laughs) (laughs) Mimi, I have a question about something you just said, that you guys are going to meet um, with the young lady that you have coming in and your children as well. Is that something that is a normal process, say, for um, what happens, if you can kind of explain to us, what happens when a child is getting ready to go into a home? What happens to ease the transition? Okay, so the good thing about me becoming a foster parent is I've been on every side of the system. I was a foster child. I was a court-appointed advocate for foster children, and now I'm a foster parent. So because I know the system pretty much inside and out, I requested to have family therapy because I know one of the things that is a very difficult transition is the birth children versus the foster child. I know because as a foster child, I went through it. And so I want it to be as smooth as possible. So that's why anything that we need to discuss, I want us to discuss. We cannot hear you at this point, Nika. Can you hear me? Okay, we can. You can't hear me now? Yes, we can yeah, hear we you can now. Hear you. Uh-huh. You're falling oh, okay. out again. Sorry, what, what did I end off on? I'm sorry. I think you're joking it out. Oh, okay. Yeah, it just it wasn't out that long. But you were saying that on both ends, you know, you've been kind of all through all of it. Yes. Yeah. So with me being on all ends of it, you know, I understand how there can be some situation between the the birth children and the foster child. So I want to be able to be proactive. In anything, so that's the reason why we're having family therapy sessions. Now, I was um, Tamika. I was told that um, that there's a difference between foster care and adoption. I think it was um, that that uh, as a foster parent, you like you're pretty much the holding place for the child until uh, they're found a permanent home. Is that true? And if so, can you tell us more about? Uh, that process? Yes, they have they have what is called permanency. But in this case, the permanency is my home. She's going to be here until she turns 18 if she wants to age out or if she wants to um, actually go to college. But the per- this will be her permanent residence simply because she's been in group homes. She's not going back home to her mom and her dad is not able to take her in. So that that's what they consider like permanency, a permanency plan. And that means where are they going to be until they become an adult? 
Um, sometimes you can adopt. However, this is not one of those situations where that is, you know, an option or anything because the parent will have to either relinquish their rights or the state will have to take the rights from them. And that's neither case here. So her permanent plan is just to stay in the foster home until she ages out. Okay. Okay. Wow, this sounds like a, a, a very um, tedious process. Like there's a lot to go through in order to make this happen. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think your siblings will ever um, – or, or have they uh, ever considered being foster parents? Uh, are they foster parents? Do you know if they are considering doing the same? Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But they're not foster parents right now. But I don't know if that's something that they would want to do in the future. Okay. Tim, it sounds like you were giving her to ask something. Now, Rodney, you know this old head right here. Let's see. What did I have? Um, oh, I did, before, before I ask that question, I wanted to remind our listeners, if you have a question, comment, um, if you're thinking about becoming a foster parent, any, maybe you are a foster parent, that would be so wonderful if you are. But if you have any questions, you can select the number one on your phone. It will um, alert us here, and then I'll pull you in by providing the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits as well. So, again, if you're listening, uh, select the number one. If you're listening through Facebook, um, you can certainly send us a message through Facebook or just call in 818-691-7406. Again, 818-691-7406, and you must select the number one uh, so that we know you do have a question or a comment. Um, Okay, so tell us, let's see, I want to make sure I've gotten, if, if given, if today you could change something within the system that you know would be, make a significant difference in the lives of the, for the children and for the foster parents as well, what would that be and why? I would change how they handle the process of, the children being in the the system. They have a lot of cases. Um, oftentimes, some of those cases cannot get a CASA like I was, which we, you know, we have just one case at a time we deal with, so we have a lot of time to sort through things and figure out stuff and see what's the best interest of a child. So I would help change how they handle the their processes with the parents and I will also change their idea that every child needs to be with their birth parent because that was my problem when I was in the system. Um, that's the reason why I kept going back to my mom because their idea is every child needs to be with their parent. Okay, well, every parent does not want to be that a parent. So what are you going to do? You're going to keep putting the kids with the parents? <laughs> so they waste a lot of time. They you know, have a lot of unnecessary back and forth reentry into the system. So just really working with them to help change the way they do things in the system, I would love to be able to do that because right now it is not working. That's, that's very interesting. How many times, I mean, what, just off the top of your head, how many times would you say just 
in a normal case that a child returns goes back and forth to the to the biological parent on any on any given case. If you would have to pick a number, it would it would definitely be five or more times, and that's ridiculous. Wow. Tammy, I think that's a I think that was a a, a very good question uh, because. Um, not just in in this case, but in so many cases, I don't really understand the logic behind um, decisions that are made like this one. If, if if it is determined that it is best for the child to be out of the home uh, with their biological parent or parents, then it makes no sense to me to continue to try to force the issue because someone believes that children belong at home with their biological parents. It may not be a good situation for them. And I'm sorry, if if I'm not ready to be a parent or if I don't want to be a parent um, or, if I'm not a, or if I'm not a good parent, whatever the case is, if it is better for for my child to be away from my home, then that's what I want for them if I love my child. And, I, you know, even when it comes to uh, custody battles, you know, between mothers and fathers. Now, granted, I think that, you know, in most cases, I think the child should be, with the mother. Um, but if it is better for that child to be with the father, then I think that, you know, that's what needs to happen. I think too many times we get stuck on certain things and we just cannot break away from them. And, and like Tamika is saying, like, you know, five is just too many. But you know what, Rodney? What I've noticed is it's not even about the children. It's about the fight. What I've noticed every parent has in common is they're just so hell-bent on not losing their children to the system till they fight and say, I want my children. No, you got to let me see my children. These are my rights. So it's not that they want the child, which is sad, but they want to feel like they haven't lost. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, that 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 really is, and you know, I, I I don't know if there is an answer because one, you can't you can't make people stop having children for one, um, right. and then and then two, you know, I I don't I don't really know, you know, if the government can really regulate you know, where children go and, you know, and eventually, I mean, you're going to run out of places to to put children. Um, at least that's what it seems, you know, if you try to put everybody in the in the ideal environment. Um, and, and that's just very, you know, unfortunate. And um, anybody who listens to, to this show on a regular basis knows uh you know how passionate we are about people just taking care of their kids. <laughs> you know, you know, Ryan. I, I, I just picture if, if people just visualize 
going back and forth. I mean, I've not lost that thought in my mind since she gave us the number five. I mean, at least five, and you can imagine it's probably more in some cases. But just imagine as a child having to go back and forth to the parent or parents who birthed you and all the time wondering, because after so many times you have to say, you have to take the mindset, not if, but when. So imagine mm-hmm. being a child underage trying to deal with this world today with the fear of it, with school, and, and as, as Sneka mentioned, being bullied at school um, because the children knew she was in foster care and things like that. I mean, I can't, I just can't even imagine what that must feel feel like inside and what it does to a child who will be an adult and a parent one day. We thank God Tamika has come and stored into her, and she was willing to receive that and made that commitment and promise to herself that I'm going to be a great parent. Because if not, I can see where the the, the effect of it just continues and it goes to it starts to be a generational thing. I mean, I just can't can't fathom the thought of it. Yeah. That is true. And, um, well, anything else, Rodney? Because if not, then what I was going to ask Tanika to do was just share any final words of wisdom, of knowledge, whatever you'd like to share with us, and then, of course, share with the listeners how they can learn more about what you do, um, the link, contact information, just anything you'd like to share. And then, uh, Rodney, I'll go ahead and turn it back over to you as well. Well, my only my only question uh, was going to be it kind of tied into what you just said, and then what you said you wanted to make it to do. So, um, I'll, I'll be very brief, and that is, um, unfortunately, not everyone um, has turned out like Tamika or has taken the uh, approach that Tamika has or matured um, like she has. So, my question to Tamika is what do you say to those uh, now adults who came through the foster system uh, who were adopted um, you know who still may not know their mothers their fathers um, still you know know that they have siblings out there that they've never met Um, a good friend of mine uh, you know he just met uh, his uh, brother a few years ago, and this is after after 54 years. Um, what do you say to the people who uh, came through the system like you did that are still bitter today, are still angry today, and they're, they're adults now. They're in their 30s. They're in their 40s. Um, and what do you say to those people who have had that longing um, you know, to to meet their biological family, uh, meet their parents or, the, or their siblings, but, you know, because they're in their, maybe in their 30s or 40s or 50s and have yet to meet them um, and feel like they've lost hope and time is running out. What do you say to those two different people? Well, first I would say to find a support system that they can definitely lean on, talk to, because anger is something that doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. 
So just really talking about your feelings. It's okay to be angry. Heck, I still get angry now about some things when I think about it. However, you know, I've strategically built support systems that I trust that I talk to when I'm feeling some type of way. And, you know, me and my little sister now have even started supporting each other when we feel a certain type of way. So just really having a support system because not a lot of people can identify with, you know, being in the foster care system. So there are a lot of different websites that you can just really research and find that support, but I would really advise them to do that because it's doing a disservice just being angry and not doing anything with it because I was angry to the point where I didn't like the fact that children had to be bullied and not be confident. So I went and did something about it, and now I'm changing the lives of children and their parents. So just really find the support system so that you can turn your pain into a passion. And, you know, just I I would say talk as much as possible. Talk it out and really get those feelings out. That's what I would say. Wow. And I I think those are are great response. Um, uh, Tammy, don't forget that uh, I don't have (laughs) the access to the switchboard, so you're actually going to have to close out the show today. Um, Okay. I want, real quick, too, Rodney, thank you, because you just reminded me of something I did not mention um, a little, and Tamika, I want to first of all thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, enlightening, but I also I, I will also say kind of depressing as well because you guys, there are more than four hundred thousand children, and and more than because the the estimate or the the stats that I found is from two thousand and thirteen, I believe. So I'm sure it's more now, and. I mean, I don't know what really to say about that. I, I just don't know. I can't imagine. And if you multiply that, if you just think about multiplying that times one, because as Tanika said, she got pregnant at, at a very young age. And I, I can only imagine how she was feeling at age 17 and 18. And, and I mean, not that that is the reason she, she became pregnant at 18, but imagine what she was going through and dealing with and trying to, well, she said, just feel some kind of love maybe from somebody, just validation from someone, which many of our young girls do, regardless if they're in foster home or not, but we're talking about foster care tonight. So if you just think about that alone. I know a, a young lady in D.C. that adopted a child, um, and she's single. She she went through a process, but he's the joy of her life. This young young baby is the joy of her life. And she just decided that I'm just going to do it alone. I'm just going to move forward and do it. I'm not going to wait until I find the perfect man. Um, So you have to figure out for sure if it's your thing. Um, But if it's in your heart to do, pray about it, because there are many children in need. And I guarantee you if we don't stop this epidemic, that it's going to just cause many more issues in our system with our children. Um, so do what you can. Do what do what you can. We had a, a comment in on, on Facebook. Uh, we had someone post out there that they had three three girls for a weekend, and I can only imagine, you know, because of the age. I think it, she said six months. Um, I think it was six months 
very little. I think the oldest might have been like some for some reason I can't find it now, but I was gonna share that with you guys. But I can't I can't even imagine, you know, just trying to trying to do that. But I can also just see the joy. Six months, two years old and four years old for a weekend. So there's something called emergency foster care or emergency care I guess is what it is where you can just kinda of keep keep the kids for the time needed for a short period of time. So we just say do what you can. Do what you can. Uh, Tamika, any final words? I'm going to give out some announcements um, before we end, but any final words, anything that you thought of? And you did give out your website, right? I did not. I'm still struggling with um, my website getting them back online because they've been hacked. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. The joy. Okay. <laughs> in there later. We can, or if anybody needs to, to contact her um, about her programs and what she does, and she's on Facebook, uh, Tamika Anderson, but if you cannot find her, you can certainly contact Rodney or I, and we will put you in contact with with her. So we can do that as well, Tamika, if that's okay. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, okay we'll do that. I wanted to remind everyone, um, I think I spoke about this last week, but we are doing uh, what we call a developing character workshop. For, it was initially going to be for high school juniors and seniors. We're opening opening it up to freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So if you know of a child who's in Memphis for now, we will take this on the road at some point. But uh, it is free for the for the student. However, they will have to uh, be open to a 15 minute interview, and we will schedule that with them. They have to have two references. GPA does not matter. It, it matters, but it does not matter for this. But we do we do ask what the GPA is uh, for different reasons. So we're going to do the developing character workshop. We're working on the dates because we had some conflicting um, conflict with scheduling. At, it's going to be at the Crescent Club. It's a two-day workshop that includes an assessment plus the two-day uh, workshop and lunch as well. And again, all free to the students. That being said, we are looking for companies, organizations, individuals to donate whatever amount. It could be a dollar. We don't care. We just want to get to an amount that the child is covered fully. And this is something that we're going to be doing ongoing throughout the year and just trying to help kids get back to the basics, just basic, genuine character, letting your life flow from that. So if you're interested, contact me, 901-830-6088. Again, 901-830-6088. You can also go and submit uh, your inquiry on the website, which is RSVP, R for Road, S for Sam, V for Victor, P for Paul, communication.com. So that's RSVP, communication. Uh, Rodney, I guess, oh, and we have the Soul Sisters event as well. For those of you who are in Memphis, the Soul Sisters event is November 14th. That being said, registration ends tomorrow. You also have to pay for your dinner uh, by tomorrow as well. I'll be willing to meet you anywhere. But the Soul Sisters is about connecting women of a different race together to kind of do life together for a year. That being said, we meet back. We have uh, fun. We have discussions. We just do whatever 
my soul sister and I went to see um, Ben Carson Friday, and she's been my soul sister now for about two years, I think. So she's just become part of my family, as I heard. So if you're interested in that, contact me as well. If you're somewhere out of state and you're interested in starting something like Soul Sisters, contact me and I'll get you in connect in connection with the founder because I'm just kind of assisting with assisting her with this. I'm just kind of taking it over for her. Um, Rodney, I'll let you tell about the education summit that we're going to do here in March. Just kind of get them ready for it, and then we can end. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, we are in the process. Um, we uh, First of all, we just had um, uh, a very successful uh, education summit uh, here in Northern Virginia um, at the end of September, um, this past September, and we got a lot of positive feedback. Um, there was a well-written article um, about the education summit um, in our local paper here in uh, Manassas, which is in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., excuse me, um, and so uh, we're in the process of uh, connecting with um, a college or university in in, uh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, where Tammy is, and um, so we want to, to take the, the, the same event um, and do it there in Memphis um, uh, and just, you know, highlight those critical issues in education. Um, so many things... Um, we are afraid to afraid to talk about, um, and then we're afraid to act, to actually have um, experts on our on our panels um, and, and in our discussions. Um, and tonight, uh, in my in my grad school class, we were talking about how um, you know a lot of times when there are trainings and things of that nature, because some of the people in my classes. Uh, in my class, we're talking about, you know, this training that, that they recently went through, and they were saying, you know, how people reacted to this uh, training because they were saying anyone could have done it, um, and, and it was just the same old, same old. And so the reason why I think we, we, we got such a positive uh, response from our from our education some was because it wasn't the same old, same old. It wasn't, you know, what you hear on on, on the radio, what you see on TV all the time. This was, you know, when it comes to education, this was actually teachers talking about education rather than politicians or people with agendas or people who, you know, sit behind a, a desk and not those people who are actually in there with the kids every day. So uh, we're in the process of setting that up uh, in Memphis uh, in March, so we hope that you guys will stay tuned. We really have some good information uh, uh, coming your way uh, in the next few weeks. Um, hopefully, we'll have a confirmed date for you uh, here soon, and uh, a confirmed location. Uh, we'll be able to get that to you. And also, um, my first book, Tired of Being Black. I'm in the in the process of uh, going on tour with that book. Um, I've been in in, in discussions with uh, several colleges um, about that. So just. Uh, waiting to to finalize some 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 dates with that, um, and so as that happens, I will definitely uh, be putting that out to you. And then we're working on a a huge event uh, for next uh, September, and it's probably going to take us that long uh, to pull it off. But but we are definitely uh, believing that it will happen. And I could tell you, just sitting and and 
planning it and you know working on some things today i was like man this is this is going to be great so so i'm excited um and again you know as things come available we will definitely uh uh let you know about them so thank you guys for all of your support thank you to mika for being on uh this was very informative uh for me uh you are definitely very uh passionate about um uh, this subject and and, and just our, our our foster care uh, system and, and you can always tell the difference. Like I was just saying, when somebody's actually been through something, uh, the conversation sounds different. The energy level is different. So please, no matter what you do, continue um, with your story and and helping uh, parents and helping uh, children because you never know how many lives you will save until you actually start trying to save lives. And that is all I have. Tammy, back to you. Um, we had a comment on the on Facebook that said many people uh, foster do foster parenting for the money. They don't like kids, even though they don't like kids. So very true. So I, I really wanted to get that one in. Um, but uh, it, there's a day that we all will be, we'll have to pay and become accountable for what we do, what we did on this side of the earth, I say, or the dirt. Um, so I wanted to share that. But Tamika, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And as soon as your sites get up and running, please let me know because I'll go back and, and just share, 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 share. Um, and just thank you for, for what you are doing because you could have chosen a different road, a different route. Thank you for giving back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, too. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. All right so I have to end it in my – I've not said this in a long time because, Rodney, you usually end the show, but he doesn't have Internet. So I want to just give a special thanks to my cousin, Diane, who has been just – I mean, just to have somebody, family, follow you as long as she has. There be there have been times where I'll log on and she's out there before I am. So. Diane, I love you and thank you. And as always, we play this song for you. And uh, Rodney, you gonna have to, okay? There it is. I found it. <laughs> we play this song for you. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we will be back next Monday. That may be our last show for the year, depending on on what Rodney has after that. But we will be back um, next Monday for sure. Thank you guys for your support. And uh, we could not do this without you. Again, Tamika, blessings to you. And if we can help you in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. Thanks, everyone. Good night, everybody.
Oh 